Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. I am back. I, it's been a, I think it's been a couple weeks. I've had finals, graduation, all that stuff. I've been busy. But thank you all for bearing with me. So the way I'm going to kind of set this show up is, so I've been talking about I want to do the recruiting aspect for the, like the last three ones, three podcasts, and I just haven't done it yet. So I'm going to split this one up. I, instead of doing a separate one, I'm just going to make this half and half. I'm going to talk about the latest college basketball news, stats, scores, whatnot, and, and then get into the recruiting aspect and uh, around the 30-minute marker uh, whenever I get into that. Do, do a little half-and-half half figure. This will be the, probably the last podcast in a minute. Um, I am leaving for, uh, believe it's, yeah, Phoenix, Vegas, whatever. Out, I'm leaving for the West Coast <clears throat> um, on Thursday, Friday. Um, I will be out for two weeks, come back. Uh, so it's going to be a little minute, so we'll kind of, you know, wrap up this kind of this year, per se, um, or this half of the, the season um, today. Uh, so I figured I, I would I'd kind of set it up like that, um, and we'll kind of jump right in. The big reason I want to only do half or, you know, half of, you know, what the normal podcast is, um, is because all of these teams are just bad. <laughs> I mean, they're like... I can talk on and on about, you know, go or go for an hour about, well, this is this team's problem, this is this team's problem, and number one goes down and then blah, blah, blah. I mean, they all suck. I Like, I'm just going to be completely frank with you all. Like, these teams are just not very good, which is why everybody is just beating everybody, right? I mean, that that's pretty much the moral of the story. I don't remember the last time I did one, so this could be a couple weeks out. I believe the last time I did one was right after Thanksgiving, so it was ahead of the the ACC uh, Big Ten Challenge. And, like, go back and look at those games. And, and, like, the only team that I came away any any sort of impressed with was Duke. You know, I, I know Indiana had, had a nice win against Florida State, but it was on their home court. But, I mean, Duke went to Michigan State and just controlled the game. Like, Louisville beat Michigan – but Michigan played horrible, and Louisville really didn't play well either. I mean, it was a 58-43 game. Um, Louisville played really good defense, but then not a whole lot of offense. Um, I, I guess we'll start with Louisville since they were the number one team uh, up until today, obviously, the AP poll uh, uh, switched up today. But they, they were number one for a couple weeks, and there were some warning signs that they were probably about to lose. Um, so they have played against, let's see, this is four, yeah, four high major teams at Miami, Pittsburgh, Michigan, Texas Tech. In those four games, they have been over 65 points in one, and that was the first game of the season at Miami, right? So against in, in, I'm at WKU in Power 5, but they have some Power 5 athletes, right? They have Charles Bassey, Justin Anderson. Uh, you know, I've obviously covered that team quite a bit, so I'm pretty familiar with their players. They have some dudes that could play at a higher major level, right? And 71 points. They, you know, they only mustered up 71 points against WKU. And, I mean, this we're talking about the number one team in the country. Um, against Michigan, home win, 58. Pittsburgh, home win. Pittsburgh's horrible. Like, they're not very good, 64. And then obviously the loss against Texas Tech, 57. 
and they give up uh, 70 without their leading scorer, Jamis Ramsey, who is out, I think, with a hamstring. Um, they're a good defensive team right now. What do, what do we have? Kim Palm has Louisville as the third best defensive team, uh, or third in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, they have them 11th on offense. I don't know how that's the case because they, like I've said, against non-mid-majors, they have been pretty brutal in that, uh, uh, scoring the ball. They did beat EKU. They got 99 on the board. They needed, I mean, you know, it's EKU, but they needed something. <laughs> they, they needed some sort of an offensive explosion, and they got it. I mean, the problems can be really summed up. Their point guard situation's a mess. I know Darius Perry had been playing pretty well you know, earlier in the year. But when push came to shove, he's just not a very good offensive player. I mean, this is now year three uh, of Darius Perry. And, I mean, he, he can shoot a little bit, but not a guy that can really create for himself. He's just not a, he's not an offensive maestro. Um, they, they don't have a whole lot of dudes that can, that can create shots for themselves. Warhol being the obvious one, but, I mean, he can only do so much. And then when he struggles, like against Texas Tech, <clears throat> that's when Louisville doesn't score a whole lot of points. I mean, 4-16 from the floor, 1-7 from three. I mean, he still musters up 14 because the dude can get to the line. And he's a great rebounder, got nine rebounds. But, I mean, just not a whole lot of guys that really create their own shot. Um, let's see, Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams were the only guys that played – 15 or more minutes that had a 50% uh, field goal percentage or better in this game. Um, David Johnson came in, was one for two. I mean, Fresh Kimball, the St. Joe's transfer, it just hasn't worked out. It just flat out hasn't really worked for him. Um, hasn't done much, so a lot of it's on Perry. But they kind of platoon the two. Kimball played 23 minutes, Perry played 15. I mean, I don't know. When you got a point guard situation like that, I mean, we saw this with Kentucky last year, right? When they were kind of fit, trying to figure out who was going to be the lead guard, that Quade Green, Ashton Hagens, and uh, Emmanuel Quickly, and they're kind of platooning, and, and like you can't really get on a good, good rhythm on offense when you don't know what you're doing at the point guard, when you don't know who's going to set the table. I mean, it, it, seriously, <clears throat> and they just don't, they don't have a guy that they can just lean on. And that's a problem, and that's something. By the time March rolls around, they got to figure it out because guard play wins in March. It just does. Um, wings are great, bigs are great, but guards are the king. And go back and look at any tournament, and the final or the final four MVP, whatever, most valuable player, all that. It's probably a guard. It's probably a guard. You know, there there are some, I mean, obviously there's a few exceptions, but ultimately guards win championships. And with a quarter of the season in the books, Louisville struggles with guards, guard play. <clears throat> Ryan McMahon, I've said this ad nauseum. Against mid-majors, he is great, right? Running around screens, whatnot. But you get, you get power five athletes on him. You get dudes that can guard a little bit. And he's just a non-factor and, you know, Two, two for seven in this game against Texas Tech. I mean, it's 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 legit concern. So, and you know, they got a guy in Samuel Williamson who I think is going to be an absolute stud. Um, has a lot of talent, but he's only he, he's only playing ten to fifteen minutes a game. You know, as a guy, I was like, hey, this this dude could end up being 
you know, a first-round pick, one and done, and <clears throat> he's just not ready for the moment yet. So Louisville's a mess on off. Their defense is really good. I mean, they got that going for them. They can, they can really guard, which I thought – I didn't think their defense would be bad, but I figured, okay, this would be one of the better offensive teams in the country, and maybe their defense will lack a little bit. Now, they, they, they guard. They guard well, <clears throat> but they just don't – they don't have the offense yet to keep to catch up with it, and it's it's a problem. Uh, it was a loss they probably needed. Um, you know, in two weeks, well, I guess technically more like three, but they have only two more games until they head to Rupp Arena. They got a game on the 18th, so in a couple days against Miami of Ohio, they get 10 days off. They get 10 days off, no games, nothing. Um, they probably need that, get in, you know, whether it be practice or whatnot, because that's just going to be an absolute war. Um, so, you know, I'll be I'll be interested to see kind of how Louisville pro- progresses. But yeah, they you know their offense is, has problems because they don't really have a lot of offense. They don't have a lot of guys that can really score it. Um, and when those guys aren't hitting, then they're really in trouble. They got I really think it starts with the point guard. They get their point guard situation fixed. They, if they get that settled down, they. I, and I think with with Chris Mack, right now, opportunity, he's just gonna have to give someone the reins. Give someone the reins. I mean, that's that's exactly what happened with Kentucky last year. Quad A Green transfers, right? And then Ashton Hagens gets the rain, and then Kentucky rips off, you know, Carolina, Louisville back-to-back weeks. They look and they look exponentially better on both sides of the ball with with Ashton Hagens now the established lead guard. So I think that's that's a big one. Um, that's a big one for Louisville. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I still think. You know, I, I tweeted this last night. I, I haven't done my ranking yet because I don't really know what to do with them. I don't really think anyone deserves to be ranked. <laughs> I don't think there is a top twenty-five. I, I know there there all there has to be, but I don't really think that anyone gets to be ranked because, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, who who's impressed me? Even if Kentucky had beaten Evansville, even if they had come back to win that game. With their other results, I'm not like thinking they're that. I mean, they'd be number one most likely. That's kind of how that's how the AP poll works. But like, do, would they deserve to be number one? No, probably not. Like, they're not the best team in the country. But I don't know who is. Like, I, I don't know who is. So speaking of other upsets, you got Penn State, Michigan. So Ohio State just got done drubbing Penn State. This was last Saturday by 30. So and then Maryland comes to town. You know, Maryland's been playing pretty good basketball as of late, and they decide they're going to throw a clunker out the door. You know, I'm not – I don't know. Maryland's got really – they got really good guard play. They're a little short on their bench, but they got – I don't know. They got bigs. I think this was more of a clunker. I mean, they shot 33% from the floor. That's really bad. I mean, they are definitely a team that's prone to turning it over. Uh, you know, 20 turnovers in this game. They've been hit or miss when it comes to – free throw shooting as well. They shot 82% in this game. That wasn't much of a problem. You know, they out-rebounded Penn State, but, I mean, when you got bigs like Jalen Smith, you know, the Mitchell twins, and you got some tough wings like Aaron, I don't, like, there's not really an excuse to be shooting under 40%, and especially not against a team like Penn State. With all due respect, Penn State's a fine team. You know, they're, they're they're, they're a good bunch. Uh, I think they'll definitely be fighting for a tournament bid 
towards the end of the season, and this win will go a long way for that. But there, there's really no excuse for Maryland to be shooting under 40%, 35%. Against a conference foe like Penn State, but I don't know. I, I didn't really get the chance to to watch this game. I, they, I mean, like I said, they they turned the ball over a little excessive. Anthony Cowan had four turnovers to only three assists. That's not going to cut it. Um, like their shooting is hitter. They don't really have a ton of dudes that strike you as knockdown shooters. That could become an issue. But they do have good guard play. They, you know, Anthony Cowan, one of the better guards returning. So I'll chalk this one up as more of a a bad game, is because it's this one kind of came out of the blue. Like they've been playing pretty good. I mean, they they've been getting off to some slow starts. I know they played in some classic down in Orlando, and they had some slow starts. You know, against Harvard, they were tied with like seven minutes left, um, whatnot. So, but they, you know, against Illinois at home, they almost lost that game. So you do have back to back. Results. They play at Seton Hall, a team that has just plummeted. They they got beat up pretty good by Rutgers. I I can't really. I, I can maybe on the hand, on one hand count the teams that have impressed me this year, and I don't have enough fingers toes to count the teams that have just been absolute duds early on. I mean, it's you know, Seton Hall made me think of it, right? I had them as a top 10 team. They're unranked. They they shouldn't be ranked. They've lost like four or five games. They haven't been very good. So, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I want to talk about, we'll get to Ohio State. I definitely want to talk about them because that talk about out of the blue. Uh, Oregon, Michigan, uh, this was just the game of the year, in my opinion. Like I, I was, you know, it was after graduation. I was at, I was at, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was at lunch with my family, just you know, whatever. And this game happened to be on CBS, and it was on TV. So I was like, sweet, you know, get to watch a little basketball as I as I eat some good seafood. Um, and it just like Oregon was up by a decent amount, maybe like seven, but like Michigan just kept making. It, Kept making big shots. I mean, there was just big shot after big shot in this game. It was impressive, you know. Now Michigan's dropped now three. Oregon went on to win seventy one seventy in in overtime. But you know, Michigan's dropped three or four. They they've shown a little bit like the the Atlantis trip was a little bit. I, I think we all drink the Kool Aid. They now I think they deserve to be number one after that trip. I do. They had the best resume. They were undefeated, they were hot, they were playing well, and they had the best three wins in the sport. Like I, I don't I didn't see a problem with the ring. But were they the best team in the country? Probably not. Like, you know, then they go back. I mean in the Louisville game on the road, you know, they definitely showed that they had played three games in three days with some jet lag in there. You know, whatever. You know, um, but and then they go to Illinois, and, and, and Illinois has been actually playing really good basketball lately. They they definitely uh, deserve a bit of a shout out. You know, they took uh, they they had Maryland beat, and then they let them come back, and then and they hosted Michigan, and just they, they beat they they soundly beat them for forty minutes. Kofi Cockburn, one of the better bigs uh, in, in the sport thus far, averaging like fifteen and ten. <clears throat> but anyway, so. You know, coming in this game, trying to avoid dropping 
two straight. But Oregon, I mean, I don't know. Peyton Pritchard, he's been there forever, but he's just a steady, steady guard. Um, he was getting to the lane at will. Only took one three-pointer. I mean, it's crazy. Like, he, he had 23 points, and only one one of those points came from, com, you know, combining free throw attempts and three-point attempts. Like, one. Like he was getting to the lane at will. Um, was absolutely terrific. You had Anthony Mathis about hit a buzzer beater at the end of uh, regulation. Like he took a gorgeous three and and drained it, but it was it was just on his fingertips as as the buzzer lit up. Uh, six of ten from three. He he's a three. He's the best. Might be the best three point shooter in college basketball. Um, but I mean Oregon shooting fifty percent from. From the floor, fifty percent from three. You know, Oregon. They, they, you know, they, they were a little rocky down there, and uh, <clears throat> in Atlantis, dropping two of their those three games. But man, I mean, they, they're a really good team. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And they're going to get. I think in Fally Dante, if he's not eligible already, is going to get eligible. This is a really, really well-rounded team. And, and with those tournaments down there, momentum is, is so big. Right, because like it's not like the SEC or excuse me, conference tournament like the SEC tournament, conference tournaments or like the NCAA tournament where you lose and you're done. Right, those games you lose and then you go to the consolation, you got to play more. So that momentum just carries like carries throughout the week, and like because you got to obviously you can't it can't just be you lose and you go because you need the games for your schedule. So. I think that's a, that's kind of an underrated or kind of a, a big aspect of these pre these Thanksgiving terms that we have, we got to take into account that we have to better do that, including me. Is like the momentum carries. You can't take too much from this because this isn't really how the season goes. It's almost like a a season within the season. So anyway, but yeah, Oregon looking very much back on track. Uh, really nice win at Michigan. Um, I mean, like I said, that was probably the game of the year, one of them. It, it was really terrific. Let's see some other results that we got. Uh, Gonzaga-Arizona was really interesting. Gonzaga was up by, like, 10. I was watching this game over at a friend's place. Um, they were up by about 10 with two minutes left, maybe a minute and a half. Um, and, you know, I was on in the background, so I wasn't paying super close attention. And then all of a sudden I look up, and, and Arizona's within two. Uh, like they came all the way back, I was impressed. You know, making making big plays, but ultimately the Zags came out on top. You know, they <clears throat> Kansas is currently the number one. I think when I do my rankings, I'm probably going to put Gonzaga number one um, because I mean they they have one loss all year against Michigan on neutral court. They just didn't. Sh- it was their third game in three days. Like I've been saying. They just didn't show up. Um, but, I mean, they're really well-rounded. <clears throat> I still worry a little bit about their guard play because they don't have, like, a dynamic difference maker for guard. Their best players are bigs, right? Which can win you games, but in March, what, what do I say? In March, guard play wins tournaments. So that gives me a little little hesitation with them. But they, but they also – that even though their guards aren't super talented, they're not a bunch of first-round picks. 
they are experienced. You know, Admon Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, these are grad transfers. These are dudes that have been playing a lot of basketball, been playing in big moments. So I don't put a ton of, you know, so, you know, I'm not going to put like, I'm not going to say Gazette can't win it all because X, Y, Z. Because they don't have the they don't have Anthony Edwards. Like, well, one team is Anthony Edwards, and the rest don't. But they still have experienced guard play, and their their bigs come at you in waves. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll, put, I'll probably lean them number one over Kansas. But I mean, it's honestly kind of a tie. Those are probably the two teams I would I would the only two teams I'd have in consideration. Auburn is one of four undefeated teams. There are currently four undefeated teams in college basketball. <clears throat> Auburn, San Diego State, Duquesne, and Liberty. Liberty beat Vanderbilt. Uh, looks like Liberty is going to be a tournament team again. They're, looks like they're going to win the A-Sun fairly easily. I'd be shocked if not. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they look like they're the easily the best team in that conference. They're 71 on Kim Palm. Duquesne in the A-10, 9-0. Like, when's the last time Duquesne has been relevant in basketball? I, I couldn't remember. The A-10 is about to be really interesting this year. Really interesting. you got VCU, Dayton, Davidson, and now Duquesne, of all teams, uh, undefeated. Like, this is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, San Diego State undefeated as well. I, they haven't played. I remember glancing at their schedule one time or another. They haven't really played anyone all that good. But I'll be excuse me. I'll be interested to see them in the Mountain West, but they look to be the most well-rounded team there. And then Auburn, obviously, like I mentioned, Auburn beat St. Louis. Man, I mean, <clears throat> you would think after losing Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, there'd be some level of uh, there. There'd be a level a drop off, and there just hasn't been that. They they have been absolutely terrific. Um, you know, again, let's see them play SEC ball. Like they are not a perfect team, but I mean they're they're good enough for my liking. They got some guys that I mean like Javon McCormick. He always showed a lot, a bunch of talent. <clears throat> Samir Dowdy, Dowdy has been has been good for them. Isaac Okoro, <clears throat> excuse me, will probably be. Uh, a one and done lottery pick. He's been terrific. Um, you know, he, just a, a guy, a three and D guy. You know, obviously, yeah. I mean, they they, they have some good experience, good talent. You know, I, I really like what they're doing. Memphis and Tennessee. Memphis went to Tennessee and won in an absolute rock fight, fifty one forty seven. I think Tennessee is starting to come back down to earth a little bit after a hot start. Um, they have, they do have guard play. They're actually one of the teams that does it. But the problem is, they just don't have a ton of dudes that can, <clears throat> that can create for themselves. A ton of dudes that consist that are consistent scores. A uh, Jordan, Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner are super streaky scores. They've always been that. Like, look, go look at them last year. Um, see, the thing that was so that made Tennessee so good last year is you had you had fifteen out of Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield pretty much every night. Like they could be off, they could be inefficient, you know. They could get, they could be missing with the in the foul line, but they're getting that like fifteen points. Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden like can't do that. They're they're not, 
they're they just aren't that kind of they don't have that kind of scoring ability. Like they can they can play make whatnot. And Lamonte Turner especially <clears throat> I mean he's more of a jump shooter than anything. Right? Like he doesn't really he's not a guy that's super crafty getting in the in the lane, getting to the rim. You know, Bowden definitely, you know, he, he has some athletic ability, some hops. Uh, he can do that. But he's also more of a jump shooter. I mean, the, the, you're talking about two guys that are mostly jump shooters. Um, you know, Eves Pons has shown strides, but still, like, we're talking about a guy that really hasn't done a whole lot in his college career. He only had six points in this game. Um, and they just don't really have a post threat this year. Like like last year, obviously, they just they, they could dump down the post. Grant Williams even Kyle Alexander to an extent, and they'll take care of the rest. They don't have that this year. They'll still play rugged. They'll still play tough. They're a tournament team, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, there's really not an excuse to be losing to Memphis without James Wiseman on your home court. Like, in my opinion, for Tennessee. Like, if, 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 if this is a good Tennessee team, if this is a legitimately good Tennessee team, then they wouldn't lose this game. Because, like, with with all due respect, like, Memphis without James Wiseman has some problems. Like, like what – and not that he just he's, – he's the fix-all, but, like, I mean, they scored 51 points. Right? They, I mean, they scored 51 points without James Wiseman. They shot 34% from the floor. You know, like, they didn't – they didn't do a whole lot. Now, the problem here with Tennessee was – they got out rebounded by ten. I mean, that that's for a Rick Barnes team that prides himself on toughness. That's unacceptable. That cannot be. That can't be tolerated. And you know they turned it over eight, eight less times, but giving up all those, you know, getting those boards and whatnot. That's a killer. So, <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. With uh, we'll see where I put Tennessee. Memphis will be up there for sure. I mean, it's a pretty good win for them. Still, though, they scored 51 points without James Wiseman. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely, with, with James Wiseman, I think right now there's no doubt they're a top-10 team uh, for sure. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, like I said, Rutgers beat Seton Hall by 20. Seton Hall's a mess. Um, let's see, Xavier dropped a game to Wake Forest. Wake Forest... Um, was five and five entered in that game. They are horrible. That's a that's a bad loss for Sabres. No really other way to put it. Um, like I said, everyone sucks this year. Nova <clears throat> beat Delaware by eight. Now De- Delaware was nine one heading into this game, but we're also talking about Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats. Uh, Michigan State they they got back on track. I guess you could say against Oakland, um, the seventy two forty nine win. You know, Iowa State, like, I don't know. They just, without Josh Langford, they don't have any big wings that can create for themselves. Cassius Winston has way too much on his plate, and these young guys, I mean, it is isn't it is crazy. Without Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins, this Michigan State team just is a disaster on both sides of the court, on both sides. It's, it's, it's quite amazing how good they were with those, because, I mean, the core is mostly the same. Their their young guys are just not ready yet, and, and yeah, there's really a not a whole lot, whole much else to say, other than they're just not, they're just not ready. But um, 
you know, I, I think, you know, they picked up now a couple wins since the Duke disaster against Rutgers and Oakland. They go to Northwestern. So a true road game. <clears throat> I mean, they start conference play with three straight home games against Illinois, Michigan, and Minnesota. But Illinois, Michigan have been playing. Uh, obviously, Michigan's been well documented. But Illinois, like I said earlier, they've been playing really well. Like, that is hardly an easy game for Michigan State. That'll be kind of – that'll be a game I'll be uh, interested to, to see because they're going to have to turn the tide eventually. I'll spend a second here on Kentucky. Let me, how much time have we got here? Let's see. Yeah, all right, perfect. We're right on schedule. Um, they played Georgia Tech. They played okay. I mean, there was nothing really special about this performance. I think the spread was 12 and a half. Um, they, they got 14, so it was essentially a push. Vegas was, was right on it. Uh, big takeaway is Ashton Hagens is playing like the best point guard in the country. He had 21 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. He's been absolutely terrific. Um, and Tyrese Max has got to get going. Like he is in a funk of funks. 0 of 9 from the floor. He did have set, uh, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, so he is impacting the game elsewhere, but not what you want to see from the guy that put up 26 at the Garden to open the game. He's been per- kind of cold since then with the exception of a couple spurts. They need him to get going. Um, <clears throat> and Keon Brooks off the bench has just been really good. Uh, he, he was really good last game against Fairleigh Dickinson. This game he had 10 points. Four rebounds, uh, an assist, a steal, and a block. I mean, he kind of s- stuffed the stat sheet. Uh, he, he he's really good, um, he, and he looks to be ways ahead of Khalil Whitney, the other wing they have. I think you know Khalil Whitney's the guy that's on all the mock drafts right now, and it's because of athletic ability. Which I mean, he had a he has a forty, I think he had a forty three inch vertical, which like was is the most of anyone in the Cal era. There's pretty been pretty good athletes in the Cal era. Um, but he's just not very good at basketball right now. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Um, this may be a situation where Keon Brooks ends up being that late first-round flyer and Khalil Whitney comes back to school. Because Brooks has shown you he, he's still raw, he still has ways to go, but he's definitely shown flashes, and he's been much more consistent. And Khalil Whitney just hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, he's seven minutes in this game. He played seven minutes. Like, Cal, like Kentucky's only got eight scholarship players active right now. Like, they need to... Like, they need bodies, and they need dudes out there playing. And essentially, they went with a six-man rotation. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, E.J. Montgomery reverted a little bit after his 25-point performance. Didn't have a point. Don't really know what happened there. Uh, like I, I watched bits and pieces of this game. I will say Georgia Tech played this funky 1-3-1 zone. Um, and for a young team like Kentucky, that's going to be just kind of weird, which is why they turned it over 16 times, and they were turning it over a bunch when I was watching. Um, it was a weird, it was a weird defense. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, Kentucky did play very good defense in this game. You know, only giving up. You know, Georgia Tech had this little spree where they were hitting, hitting some threes. Only gave up six free throw attempts. Yeah, that's really good. That's that's very good as well. So. Um, you know, and Michael Devo, who came in averaging, I think, the most points of anyone in the ACC. Uh, it was like 21 points. Held him to five. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the better players in the the ACC, uh, and he struggled to get going. Bubba, Par- Bubba Parham coming off his, uh, what was it, 40, 45-point performance VMI last year. 
obviously transferred to Georgia Tech. Uh, still did all right. Had ten, had ten, and hit a couple threes, but uh, not quite the emphatic uh, display he put on uh, in 2018. All right, well, hit on Carolina and Ohio State, and then we'll get into recruiting. Load. So two teams played yesterday that were in the top 25: Ohio State and North Carolina, and both of those two teams lost. We'll start with Carolina. Um, so Cole Anthony's out indefinitely with some knee injury, and I don't know if Carolina can win a game when he doesn't play. I, like I, I just don't know if they can. They are absolutely horrible. Like they, they don't have like the players they're putting out there like are not should not be good enough to have scholarships at Carolina. The only guys that that, that are good, like Garrison Brooks is pretty good, Armando Baycott's pretty good. And that's really about it at this point. Um, here's the problem. Here's part of the problem, I think. You know, Brandon Robinson, he's okay, but he was never more of a bench guy. And that's kind of, you know, he had 16 points on 12 shot attempts. And five of those came from the line. Um, Kenny Smith's son started in this game. Um, and, and that's a dude, that was a previous walk-on. They, they awarded a scholarship. Uh, before the year. Um, they took in two grad transfers, Kristen Keeling and uh, Justin Pierce. And here's my thing with dra- grad transfers. This has always been my thing. They can be they can be important pieces for your team. They can be, you know, good players, good rot- whatever. But they cannot be the guys that you lean on. Like, they just can't. If, if the best players on your team are grad transfers, your team can make it to the tournament. Team could win a game in the tournament, but they're not going to do a whole lot else. Like, for example, like if Reed Travis was Kentucky's best player last year, there's no way Kentucky would have made it to the lead eight. Like he was probably their fourth best, fourth or fifth best player. Um, I don't some of the like, I don't, like I guess I think the Louisville team that had Damian Lee and Trey Smith. Now that team obviously didn't go to the postseason because it was they had a self ban, but like that team that. Grad transfer best two players, that team probably wasn't going to do a whole lot. And there's plenty of other examples. Yeah, um, but grad transfers just cannot be the best players on your team because, especially, you know, especially of mid major variety, that, especially those, because, yeah. Um, and I think Carolina's falling into, has kind of fallen in that trap a little bit with Pierce and Keeling. Like, they needed these two to be really good for them maybe two of their best players, <clears throat> and they're just not. And now they're without Cole Anthony, who that was like their one saving grace. I think Jeff Goodman tweeted he didn't think Carolina's an NIT team without Cole Anthony. I, I tend to agree. Like, they're horrible. I mean, Wofford came in there uh, you know, on their little throwback day, Carolina's, 68-64. Brutal. Um, they, they are nowhere near the top 25. I mean, right now, you're seriously wondering, wondering about the tournament of Carolina. I mean, you, you really are. Like, if Cole Anthony is out an extended period of time, I mean, who are they going to beat? Like, who, like, who are they going to beat? And this is, by the way, the second time in three years Wofford's bit one in Carolina. The second time in three years. Um, that's just unbelievable. Uh, Ohio State, Minnesota. Minnesota came into this game four and five. Like, Minnesota is really bad. Half their team le- from last year left. 
either went pro, transferred, whatever, and graduated. Like, <laughs> they're, they're not very good. Let's see some of their notable results. Lost to Oklahoma at Butler at Utah, DePaul, and Iowa. So, not, no horrible losses, but also they, their wins. Before this, Clemson, uh, North Dakota, Central Michigan, and Cleveland State. So, they hadn't really beaten anyone either. Um, and then they, they take on the top team in the country, Ohio State, who I have been praising for weeks on this thing. You know, you know tweeting about them. Like, the best team in the country. Like I was like, oh, yeah, this team's absolutely terrific. They're one of the be- better teams. They're, they're the best team out there right now. And, and they were just bashing teams. Like, Carolina beat by 25. Um, then Penn State by 35 or whatever. I mean, they're just destroying teams. It's destroying them. I was like, oh, this, is, this, this team's ridiculous. And, and of course, how, and right as right as about they're about to be number one, they didn't even waste their time. They didn't even waste their time. Don't even put us number one. We'll go ahead and take care of that. Uh, and they drop, they drop this one to Minnesota, eighty four seventy one. Marcus Carr for Minnesota had thirty five points. I mean, Jesus, I mean, quite, quite a performance. The only good thing out of this game for Ohio State is your freshman looked good. DJ Carton. 6 of 12, 19 points, led team scoring. And EJ Little, 14 points in 20 minutes, two blocks, five rebounds. Your freshman got some good look, but your upperclassman looked horrible. Caleb Wesson was 4 of uh, 13. You know, Luther Muhammad, not, 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 I consider every non freshman upperclassman pretty much, though. 2 of 7. CJ Walker, 2 of 10. I mean, pretty miserable. Um, pretty miserable performances for, for some of those guys. You know, Ohio State, it's going to be real. I, I'm really interested because, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to be at that game, Kentucky-Ohio State, next Saturday <clears throat> in Vegas. I am I'm very excited, I, and I have no idea what to, what to expect. You know, I, at first I was like, man, I think Ohio State's probably going to win this game. They're the better team right now, and they, and they probably still are. But, but regardless, I was like, yeah, you know, they'll probably handle Kentucky. And then <laughs> out in – to pull this one, so I don't know. I, I really don't know what to expect. I still think Ohio State wins that game because I just think they're more well-rounded at this point. But I also think they peaked at the wrong time. Like, like I don't think they're going to play a lot better than what they've been playing, you know, in March, you know, February. When it matters, matters. So, I don't really know what to expect, but uh, it should be a heck of a game. Two, two good teams. Um... Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Kentucky now up to six. I don't know where Ohio State is. They're probably like, probably like four. I think they're like four. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a borderline top five matchup. All right. So that's pretty much all. You know, trying to. You know, Texas Tech plays tonight. Ohio State plays tomorrow. Not a ton of other. Tennessee at Cincinnati. That'll be interesting. Louisville trying to get back on track. North Carolina goes to Gonzaga on Wednesday. That will be interesting. Uh, Kentucky and Utah in Vegas uh, on ESPN2. 11 o'clock Eastern tip. So that'll be, that'll be a late one. All right. Let's talk recruiting. So, like I said, I wanted to talk about kind of this class um, as a whole for a minute. And coming out of the early signing period, so right now, there are, I think, 
I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do all the counting. There are less than twenty kids left in this class, and a couple of them I think are about to commit. Uh, but we'll get into that. But overall, right now the big winners of the early signing period, the Blue Bloods, right? Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky number one, Duke number two, Carolina number three. So Kentucky, obviously, always preparing for a mass exodus. But I've really liked what they've done with this class because number one, well, number one, they needed bigs, right? You've seen what happened with them this year. Not only were they short on bigs, they only had three scholarship bigs. They've all been hurt at one point or another. Right, EJ's missed time. Sestina's obviously got the broken wrist, and um, and you know Nick Richards, you know, missed a couple exhibition games early with an ankle injury. So they've kind of been on, they they've been in and out. And I've really liked what they've done. You know, Lance Ware, that was kind of a buy low, a guy, you know, four star guy, not super highly rated, but a guy that that, that showed out really well uh, at Peach Jam and, and over the summer. And I really like Isaiah Jackson, the guy, the kid they pulled out of Pontiac, Michigan. Um, thought to be a Michigan State lean for the longest time, and then you know, kind of just that fizzled out. Ended up being between Kentucky and Alabama. And a lot of people thought Alabama up until his decision day, then it all flipped to Kentucky. Uh, you know, a guy that's currently ranked twenty seventh. I think he's going to go up because I think he's super. He really bouncy, really athletic, and he played on a team last winter high school team. He played on that Spire Academy team or whatever whatever it was called, Spire, uh, in Ohio with LaMelo Ball and Rocket Watts. So, like, he didn't really get to showcase what his offensive abilities were doing, or his offensive abilities, because he was having to play with two, <laughs> two you know, guards that that dominate the ball. So this year, you know, he's I think he, he's at Waterford Mott up in Michigan, um, and, and he'll he'll kind of be showcased more uh, in that you know in, as as a featured offensive piece, and that's where I think his offensive game could grow a lot. They reclassed Devin Askew, obviously the Kate Cunningham deal. We'll talk about Kate Cunningham in a minute. Uh, you know, Kentucky missed out on him, so they got Devin Askew. They took his commitment in October. He reclassified when the signing period uh, opened up. Um, I. I I really like Devin Askew. He's between Kentucky and Louisville for him, and I just think he he's got a lot of game. Currently ranked twentieth. I you know the, the Jalen Brunson comparison is thrown out there a lot, and it makes sense. I like I think he's got a hint of Trey Young to his game because he can really shoot the crap out of the ball. And he's a really good playmaker. Um, you know he's he's a good sturdy guard. Not a guy that really projects as this one and done. He's not this super athlete, which is why he's not ranked like in the top ten or whatever. But I think he'll be at Kentucky for a while. He's just a total floor general, a guard for 90 feet. He's a good player. And obviously the headliners of the class, you know, Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston, you know, two guys that honestly Kentucky could use this year. They Scoring from the wing will not be a problem. You know, obviously Boston's on that Sierra Canyon team with Bronny James, Zaire Wade. And with Zaire Williams out right now, he's the best player on the team, and he's been really good. You know, he's 15 right now. I think he's a more of a top 10 kid. You know, I usually, you know, yeah, as a guy that they kind of took from Duke. Um, but you know, he's he's been terrific. Obviously, Terrence Clark, top four, uh, top four prospect, uh, first top five guy Cal's landed since Scalabis this year back in 2015. Yeah, I think he's just absolutely terrific. I, and then so with Duke, you have, come on. 
There we go. Duke, you have Jalen Johnson, big time playmaking, big. You know, he's going to be an instant impact player. Uh, you know, Duke doesn't. This this Duke class does not quite have the star power of other Duke. Like they don't have the Zion, RJ, Cam trio, but they have a bunch of solid dudes that project to probably play in college well. Like Jeremy Roach is a good, good at everything. Not great at one thing, guard. But, I mean, going to be really solid there at Duke. DJ Stewart can fill it up. Mark Williams is a guy that kind of bought low on from the post. And super hyper, uh, very athletic, uh, and kind of a late bloomer. It was a, it was a good, you know, Coach K jumped on him late April, and that has ended up working out for him. They landed, obviously, uh, Jamin Brakefield and Henry Coleman. I don't think Duke lands anyone else. I mean, they could reclass, but I, they're probably done. Kentucky needs to land two more bigs. Most likely that's going to be their goal. Um, Kentucky's still in it with Greg Brown, uh, Clifford Omarui, and they've been dabbling with this kid named Kai Soto, uh, who's a Philippine, uh, Philippine native, or, yeah, Philippines native. Um, and, you know, they could reclass Jonathan Kaminga, whatnot. Uh, you know, North Carolina, they're definitely done. And they got some good star power, too. And boy, did they absolutely need it because um, <laughs> look at their team this year. They they need some talent. But, yeah, Dayron Sharp and Walker Kessler, that's going to be quite a duo down low for them next year. Caleb Love's going to be there to run the point when Cole Anthony uh, <clears throat> leads for the draft. He You know, he's a guy that's probably going to rise up more he, he's pretty athletic, has come into his own as a floor general. And then, obviously, they rounded out with Puff Johnson. That's Cameron Johnson, Cam Johnson, uh, his brother. Looked like an Arizona lock, and then he, he kind of flipped the Carolinas. The signing period happened. And then R.J. Davis is, is kind of a fill-it-up guard, um, you know, big-time scorer in high school. The other, other good classes, so you have Tennessee at four. They got Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson. Um, let's see who else yeah Corey Walker and they landed uh, this Russian kid I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name um, yeah I mean so Tennessee kind of cashing in on their success Texas Tech sitting at 7 cashing in on their success they got I think, I think Namari Burnett was their highest is their highest rate rated signee ever 5 star guard out of uh out of prolific prep. Arkansas currently sitting at fifth with four commitments. They've been looking pretty good on the recruiting cha- uh, trail. Uh, Kansas, even in the midst of uh, their struggles with the NCAA, has continued to recruit pretty good. You know, they got Bryce Thompson, obviously, that was kind of their big fish. They landed him. They got one of the best Juco players in Tyon Grant Foster. Um, so Kansas continuing and continuing some success, and they're going to need it because they're going to lose a lot of guys off this year's team. I mean, I tell you that much that they will they will lose quite a bit. Um, let's see who else? I'm trying to think. Louisville's got an interesting class because Jay Scrub, uh, who is originally from Louisville, but he goes to John Logan College, a JUCO, uh, could opt to go to the draft. So that'll be interesting what he decides to do, but if he goes to college, he's a really good prospect, super athletic. Um, 
And if he puts his jump shot together, that'll be big. They got J.J. Trainer, the kid from Bar- Bardstown. They, they kind of prioritized him early. I know Kentucky and maybe some other schools wanted him to wait until the late signing period to sign. He wanted to get it over with, and Louisville took him. And then they got a Nebraska decommit DeAndre Davis as well. So Louisville looking uh, pretty solid. But, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – for the class rankings, that's kind of who has done pretty good thus far. Memphis has no commits right now. That's kind of an interesting headline. Uh, but they're very much in it for some guys. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so currently at the top ten, you know, Evan Mobley committed to USC. His father is an assistant there. So that wasn't a huge surprise. It was a matter of when, not if. And then Cade Cunningham. So the top two players had had family members on staff. Uh, Cade Cunningham ends up at Ohio State – or, excuse me, Oklahoma State. And it looked like for a minute he was going to go to Kentucky. It looked like after his official visit, Kentucky had convinced him – to go to Kentucky to spurn his brother Cannon at Oklahoma State, but ultimately took a step back, and he ended up about a couple weeks after his visits completed, he ended up committing to Oklahoma State, signing there. I mean, they're going to get a big dynamic guard. I mean, it it you know he he's a difference maker. I think I've I've said this uh, before. I think he will be the best player in the sport next year. At this time, you know, like Evan Mobley is currently ranked higher, and I get it because he has more of probably an NBA ceiling. But I think Cade Cunningham is overall the best, will be the best player in this class in the sport. I think he will be the top pick in the 2021 NBA draft. Uh, Jalen Green is uncommitted right now. It's still kind of up in the air whether or not he'll attend college. Don't really know yet. He doesn't really know yet. Um, but if he does, I think I think Memphis and Auburn are two probably probably the big ones right there. I know Oregon made a big run at him, but they've since soured on him. Uh, you know, Zaire Williams is a kid that'll probably stay out west. He he plays on Sierra Canyon. He's from he's a California kid. And I think USC, Stanford, Arizona are three to watch there. Um, but but he's he's a heck of a prospect. McCurr Maker, Thon Maker's cousin, cousin brother, something like that. He's recur- he's 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 related to Thon Maker. Uh, he will almost certainly end up pro. He's eligible to go to the draft, uh, so he will he will he will almost certainly enter his name in the NBA draft and go from there. Greg Brown, kid from Austin, uh, he's got a list of five right now. Kentucky, Memphis. I think Kentucky, Memphis, and Texas are, are definitely three to watch. Auburn is still in there. North Carolina is, is on the list, but they've faded recently. and They've taken other bigs, so I think they're kind of out of the picture at this point. Jalen Suggs, point guard out of uh, Minneapolis, will pick between Gonzaga or Pro Bowl. I think that's on January 4th. Uh, those are pretty much the only two options for him. Josh Christopher is another exciting prospect. Um he will be uh, – um, he had Kentucky on his list. Kentucky got ties with him. Uh, it's Now he's got UCLA, Arizona State, Missouri, and Michigan. I think UCLA is in the driver's seat. I think him and Dacia Nix, Dacia Nix being the point guard commit, uh, I think they want to pair up. Or I think that could be a potential pair-up spot with them. But Arizona State also has his brother – um, 
his brother is uh, one of the players there, so that could all he's got he's got family ties there and in Missouri, so that's gonna be an interesting recruitment. But I think he ultimately ends up at UCLA. Uh, trying to f- think of some other interesting nuggets here. Hmm. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's a kid um, that play or that um, <clears throat> that is uncommitted. He, I think he's deciding this week. But I think I think Michigan's in a good spot. Here's the thing with Michigan. So they have currently this is what someone hit on Isaiah Todd, the twelfth overall overall prospect. They're currently haven't committed, but this was months. This was a few months before his commitment, leading up to it. There had been a lot of rumors he wanted to go play pro ball in like Australia, um, and then you know he committed to mix Michigan. He went through with that, but then he also was like, well, I'm not going to sign this this fall. We're we're gonna hold off on that. I think Isaiah Todd almost certainly ends up pro, playing Pro Bowl. I'd be pretty shocked if he ended up playing at Michigan. In him not signing early early just kind of solidifies that for me. Um, if he he said he's a hundred percent convinced to play to Michigan, well, if you were a hundred percent, why wouldn't you have signed? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the the pro rumors have been out there. You know, this kid was a Kentucky lock in like. February because it looked like he was about to reclassify. Then he backed off on reclassification, and then that's what, him in Kentucky, North Carolina. Kentucky and North Carolina were his top two. Like, those are the schools because he, he's from, he's from that Carolina area, uh, and, and he, and those two essentially dropped out. It was, obviously, he picked between Michigan and Kansas, and picked Michigan. So yeah. I, It'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of guys that could opt to go pro. You obviously Jalen Green's another one that, that has definitely thought about it. Um, Marjan Beauchamp, he is currently playing high school ball in Dream City Christian. He is going to go play pro ball instead of playing college ball. Um, so yeah, I mean a lot of interesting kind of things there. JT Thor is another guy, uh, 49th in the rankings. He could end up going uh, playing pro ball. So that's definitely something uh, to watch for so these guys. These guys, you know, taking new avenues because obviously you've had you know R.J. Hampton this year, Lamelo Ball, do it, and and you know Lamelo Ball is going to be in a competition for a uh, top pick. And then you also have to talk about reclassification. You know, Jonathan Kaminga, the top player in the twenty twenty one class, I think he'll almost certainly reclassify. Uh, he's currently has a list of ten. You know, I know. Duke, Kentucky, Auburn, LSU isn't on that list, but still is considered to be a contender for his services. Um, that'll be an interesting recruitment. Won't get hashed out until after the high school basketball season, so that'll be something to look for. Because I think it's mo- more likely than not he reclassifies. It could, it could be even past the the travel season next. Summer and then obviously Paulo Benchero is another kid that's been talked about reclassifying. He's been pretty adamant about staying as as a junior or staying in the junior class, and that currently seems to be the most likely scenario. But reclassification is on the table if he wants to do it. And I know Kentucky needs another big, and they, you know, while Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware are very solid for them. They kind of need an instant impact guy. They don't want a bunch of guys that are super raw, not ready to go. They need some immediate impact. And Paulo Benchero maybe might be the most college-ready big, regardless of class, 
uh, of any or in high school basketball like of anyone um super mature post game talking about 69 235 he he's he's good enough to play now so <clears throat> that could be something to watch for um i know Ken- kentucky is very high on his on his list um you know kentucky duke for sure are up there trying to think of who else but yeah i'm really interested to see uh you know the greg brown recruitment that's that's obviously an intriguing one to me um just because you got you got a hometown school guy that's been recruiting since eighth grade trying to battle off you know three red hot teams in recruiting i mean auburn's been pretty been pretty hot recently they got sharif cooper committed Memphis had the top class last year, and obviously Kentucky has been a role. You know, had six signees this year, the most Cal's ever had in, in any any signing period. So uh, you know that's something to look for. Can Texas hold up? Because Texas always seems to get a blue chipper every year, right? You got Mo Bamba. Um, he, he was one. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, I mean, they've had you know Miles Garrett, obviously, or not Miles Garrett, Miles Turner. Yeah, yeah, not not the football player Miles Garrett, Miles Turner back when. So they they always seem to land. And, you know, Jackson Hayes won the blue shifter, but they got him. He ended up being a top ten pick. Uh, Will Baker's top forty guy they got. So they always seem to get a decent recruit in their class. Will Greg Brown be the next, or will he spurn the hometown school for another? All right, I think that'll about wrap it up. Um, thank you all for listening. You know, let me know. Give me feedback, whatever. Tweet me text me whatever uh but yeah this will be the last podcast for a while because i'm on vacation but i will be i'm very intrigued you know december 28th that's kentucky louisville obviously that's a big one i can't wait to watch that at old 9 45 hawaiian time so I'll, i'll be looking forward to that very much but thank you all for listening uh you know merry christmas happy new year um and i'll be back ready to roll talk about some college basketball in 2020 thanks for listening